You are listening to the podcast series for Mission to Amish People. Mission to Amish People is a Christian ministry with a threefold purpose of evangelizing and discipling Amish and former Amish, helping Amish people who leave their communities by helping them transition into the English world, and by presenting the ministry to churches nationwide. You can find out more about Mission to Amish People by going to their website at www.mapministry.org. Today's message is an audio conversation with Michael Pearl entitled, Jumping Ship. This is part two of four. Paul, I have, this is Joe Kime, and I have a question um, for Michael. Um, on the heels of what you just said, and I really appreciate what you've just said, what, what should a parent do, and this has been a discussion between some of us, uh, former Amish, what, what should a person do in a case where uh, many of the local churches are run as a system? Is it better just to separate ourselves from that, or is it better to uh, get involved um, for the sake of our children growing up? And, and watching us and, you know, what will that do for our children if we don't get involved in a local church versus maybe stay home or have a little group setting at home? Uh, it's just an honest question, and I, I don't know if you'd even have an answer for it or not, but uh, would appreciate any <laughs> It's not a new question. It's, uh, it's issues that uh, I had to deal with at different times during my life, and uh, a great number of people have. So it's not a minor question. In fact, uh, in my book I talk about it. It's, it's very significant. Uh, first of all, another thing that will cause children to jump ship is isolation. If they don't have friends, if they don't have a social circle, if they don't have public worship that is pleasing, uh, then that will also make them very dissatisfied. If they don't, if they don't associate with a pool of young people their age from which they know they can draw a spouse when the time comes, they will jump ship. Uh, I've seen some parents that are, that are good parents and are doing a good job with the exception of the fact that they pull their children out of all social contact and just try to keep them on the farm as if they're going to, like they canned them and they're going to preserve them in, in, you know, to some future day. I've got buckets of wheat out there in my barn that uh, I've had for some 25 years, uh, five-gallon buckets of vacuum seal wheat, and I opened one the other day and it was just like it was fresh, just like it was new, made some good wheat bread out of it. Some people want to be their kids that way. They want to vacuum seal them from the world and protect them and think it's going to work out. It won't work that way. Your kids are going to be like a, a new wine in a bottle. They're going to break the skins and come out uh, in time. There's something working in there. They're, they're like a, a bull in a pasture or a cow that comes into season. Uh, they're, going to, they're going to find a mate. And uh, so it's very important that we provide a church life and a social life that has a sufficient volume of young people uh, that they know they can find a spouse someday and a place for them to, uh, people that can, uh, you know, 10-year-olds need to play together. They need to run around and romp while the parents are sitting on the porch talking. 
you need your 12 and 13 year olds. They need to work together. They need to have some uh, hay haulings and wood cuttings, and and uh, then when they get 17, 18, they need to be working uh, in the sorghum patches or tying up tomatoes or uh, building a barn. And uh, so the guys can eye the girls, and they can think about and plan and consider which one they want in the future. And then when they get about 21, 22, whatever. They know that there's a, a dozen possibilities for them, so they're not going to jump ship because they know all their needs are being met on that journey, that voyage that they're on. But if we uh, if we get in a church setting to where we're fighting all the time, and you come home and you say, that, that preacher, he did it again. Uh, those people, I don't know what's wrong with them. Uh, kids are not going to like that. They're, they're sensitive. They're hurt by that. And so we don't need to be in a context where we are competing with leadership, where we are complaining about leadership, uh, where we're trying to fill a vacuum we see in the church, and there's a struggle going on. I have watched lots of parents lose their children. Now, not all of them just end up in the world um, going to the devil. Going to, sometimes, sometimes it's a safe child. And uh, the saved children will leave their parents' church and their parents' faith because uh, it's pitiful. And they will leave and go out on their own against their parents' wishes. But uh, you'll find them a couple years later in a church of their own choosing and uh, with friends of their own choosing. And uh, they will uh, maybe prosper better than their parents did. So not all leaving is necessarily detrimental. Sometimes uh, children are just looking for something better. And that's why they cross over on the other side. Is there anything else you want to talk about on that? No, I think that was a very, very good response. It's just something that I have wondered about because a lot of times when, you know, you leave one uh, culture and join another, it's difficult to fit in. And um, you'll always kind of feel like an outsider. And then trying to get involved and maybe in some type of a ministry is very difficult. And so it's easy to just kind of go there and take it all in. But when you don't give out and just take in, then eventually it gets boring and you want to move on. And I've seen this happen over and over. And you kind of go from one church to the next church and eventually you settle with just maybe staying home. And, you know, it, it really, I, I, wish, I wish there was a better way. Now, let me give you some of our experience. When I was, uh, I started preaching when I was about 17 in rescue missions and on the streets and in the prisons when I was 18. And uh, by the time I was 19 or 20, I was preaching week-long meetings in different places in several states. By the time I was 21, I was pastor of an independent Baptist church. And I pastored there until I was 25 years old, in which time I got married to one of the girls there in the church. And uh, I, during that time in my studies, came to realize the fallacy of the church structure that I was part of. Uh, and so I left the, the structured Christianity uh, for something. I didn't know what, but I wanted something more biblical, more New Testament. And so for Several years, we kind of, before we actually had any children there, we uh, tried this group and that group and found everything wanting. But we were evangelistically minded. So in the process of this, we we were seeking out sinners and telling them about Christ. We would pick up hitchhikers or 
uh, I actually just uh, sat down on the side of the road with a chair and talked to people walking by about Jesus. And so several people came to know Christ. So I started having a Bible study with them, two, three people. And pretty soon uh, it grew to eight or ten with their friends or wives or children coming. And they invited friends, and pretty soon there was about 40 of us. And so we rented a building in a city district close to a military base and started telling the military guys about Christ. And before you know it, we had about uh, 60, 70 people meeting uh, around the Word of God, singing and praying. And we had, uh, you know, eat, eat together and go out and spend time doing things together, working together. And we saw several thousand people come to know Christ over the next 11 years And there was a big social circle for my children as they were growing up. And they had the contact of lots of people and other kids and evangelistically-minded people. And we never were part of a structured church. It was uh, just a group of Christians, no pastor, no... um, We did appoint elders in time when there was a need for it. Uh, But there was no... um, we didn't have a, a, a church a license from the state. You know what I'm talking about. We didn't have a yeah. we didn't have a building other than just this uh, storefront we rented to open to minister to people. And uh, no one got paid a salary. We didn't take up offerings or anything. The money, whenever we needed money for the pay for the building, we just between ourselves. Uh, you know, somebody put in a hundred dollars, somebody else twenty, and and got enough to pay the rent or buy uh, pay for the heating of electricity. And uh, if there was a need uh, among the brethren, if someone was sick in the hospital, we just kind of informally got together and came up with enough money to help them out. And so it was a very loose structure, and it continued until we left there where we lived and moved to this area now, 25 years ago, out in the country, among some plain folks, not Amish or Mennonite, but they had been Amish, and they had been Mennonite, and they had been kicked out for one reason or another. And we moved out among them, and again, we didn't come here to evangelize them or to start a church. We just came to live on a farm. In the process, I started sharing the gospel with the people I met. I just talked to them, and uh, they wanted to know more. So we had Bible studies together, and before you know it, within a few months, we had uh, 10 or 15 of us meeting together, and uh, a couple of the ex-Amish had gotten born again. And uh, then within uh, two or three years, we were having meetings every night for about, I think, five nights of the week we met together for two or three hours and studied Scripture and uh, from that, we grew to be uh, 80 to 100 people uh, meeting in homes, uh, barns, uh, big, big buildings where we could, uh, where somebody had an outbuilding, you know, or shop or something. And uh, we began to send missionaries out and uh, win other people to the Lord. And so, no, no greater joy ministries popped up is out of that. So, in answer to your question, what can you do? Uh, you don't have to join something that's already going on. You can begin to evangelize and get together with several other people, and within a few months or a year or two, you will have a very excited, functioning church that's winning people to Christ, baptizing, teaching them. Uh, We have children's meetings where we teach them, and uh, it's worked out quite well. We've seen young people here that were children, now grown up and married and have children of their own, and some people we knew that were young people when we moved here are now old and gray. And uh, we've watched them mature in the Lord. And so we've created a community for ourselves. We've communi- created an environment for our, own, for our kids and our grandchildren now. Uh, on a summer afternoon, we'll have uh, 
six or eight mothers with their children from infancy to nine or ten years old, all down at the creek in the swimming hole, swinging on the rope, sitting around eating watermelon, all the kids playing together. And in the afternoons, there'll be uh, 40 young people, uh, most of them of marital age, playing volleyball together. And uh, about two or three times a year, we have a wedding. And uh, the uh, out of that comes more babies. And so we are reproducing now. And uh, there's a, a community where people love each other and uh, where it's ideal for raising children. But we didn't find it and join it. It, it grew up out of a number of people wanting to worship God together. Well, if I could just, <clears throat> and I don't want to steal the show tonight, absolutely not, but uh, I would just ask one more question. You were obviously a gifted uh, speaker or uh, a teacher, teacher, and what what would you do in a case where maybe the man, the, the man of the home was not, and would not be able to do what you were able to accomplish, uh, obviously with with the power of God. But you know, not just any man could could do what what happened in your situation. Well, you know, uh, I, I recognize that I have a gift for communication. But in our church now, there's hardly any man there that doesn't stand up and speak a little bit from time to time and do a good job, and uh, their children, you see their children will stand up and quote scripture or sing together as a family, and you can see that each and every one of them is training up their children at home. They're having, um, they're having many church at home, a little church at home. They don't depend on our meetings on Sunday. They have their own events at home, and they're training their children. And the children come, and they they know scripture that we never taught them. They didn't learn in our church. They know Bible stories that they never heard from us because the parents are teaching them. So you don't have to be uh, gifted uh, to be able to be the priest in your own home. You can be very uh, shy and very quiet and still take charge. One of the things we encourage people to do is just read the scriptures. Just start Genesis and read all the way through the Bible with your children. Read the book of Proverbs. Let them read. Let them interpret the passages. Three, four years old, let them talk about it. Eight, nine, ten, let them share what they think about each verse going through the book of Proverbs. I went through the book of Proverbs with my children maybe three, four, five times, verse by verse through the whole book as they were growing up. And uh, they all still refer to that and remember that and uh, were impacted by all of those passages about a slothful man or the guys about a woman taking you with her eyelids or about the talebearer or he that sows discord among the brethren. There's just an unlimited amount of wisdom in the book of Proverbs and every single passage can be discussed and analyzed at home. So I encourage families to get involved together. Now, what you'll find, say, if you, uh, two or three families get together, none of your speakers, well, you'll have this really dull meeting. You just sit there and, duh, look at each other. Well, it's because you're used to having an entertainer, a gifted speaker. So what you do is you, you point a passage of Scripture to be studied for the next week say, the book of John, chapter 1. So everyone reads the book of John during the week. The families read it together. They discuss it together. They think about it, memorize it, anything. Make a song up about it. Sing a portion of it. And the next Sunday when you come together, 
the men all sit around, and even the young boys, and talk about what you learned in the book of John. You don't argue. You don't debate points. If you have a disagreement, you simply explain why you hold the view you do, and everybody goes back and looks at it again. You keep going. You go all the way through the book of John. I guarantee you, you take six bashful men who never spoke and let them study with their families the book of John and come on Sunday, say you take a year to go through it, and go through the whole book, by the end of that time, you won't recognize those men. They, they, will, they will be absolutely matured and developed and ready to speak and share the truth, and they will grow and mature in ways that you couldn't imagine. Most of the, most of the church today is held down by its preachers. It's like having somebody else milk your cow every morning, and you forget how to milk and you say, I can't milk. I have to have a professional milker milk for me. Well, everyone can milk. Just because you haven't done it doesn't mean you can't. Some people milk faster than others, but uh, everyone can learn to do it, and everyone can learn to study the Bible and share what they discover. Thank you for listening to this podcast series. Check out Mission to Amish People online at www.mapministry.org or keep up to date with us on Facebook and Google+. Thank you again and have a blessed day.